Welcome, everyone, to the AI and Business Podcast. I'm Matthew DeMello, Senior Editor here at Emerge Technology Research. Today's guest on the program is Mudu Sadhakar, CEO of iSara. iSara is a tech company specializing in conversational AI that helps customer support teams answer tickets faster. Mudu joins us on the program today to talk about how large language models are at the heart of transformative conversational AI for legacy and text-based financial firms, not just for customer experience, but for employees as well. Without further ado, here's our conversation. Mudu, thank you so much for being with us on the program. Matthew, thanks for having me on this program. Excited. I'm very excited as well. It's not every day that we have the opportunity to talk about especially the impact that large language models are going to have from the employee, from the employee experience side of the table. We we talk a lot about, you know, it, they call it customer experience for a reason. It's focused on the customer, but especially where we see not not limited to call center situations, but the employee and especially where we entrust human beings to be in incremental a part of the customer journey process, we need to start thinking about a lot of things from the employee side of the table. Best way to start this conversation, as often we do on the show, Mudu, tell us about where you see the business problems to start with on the employee side. First of all, thanks again. Look, I think if I look at how ISRA started around five years back, I came out of service now to start ISRA. And remember the whole employee experience, I call it EX. Back then, there was no chat GPT, there was no LLM, there was no generative AI, but we had the vision that people really wanted an AI solution because back to your employee experience and employee solutions, employees, when they get stuck, any, uh, what do you call the mundane repetitive task, you don't want to wait until it goes to an agent and agent will resolve your laptop issues or your network issues, your Wi-Fi issues or your payroll issues, right? Whether they're HR, IT, finance, what I really wanted to solve, Matthew, is the problem of how do we automate these requests so that we make employees more productive. I wanted to make sure the employees feel loved in the customer environment, right? Provide tools which will be for the employees, right? And not to create a friction. Mm -hmm. Today, everything that I see in employees is, oh, there's always going to be a security issue, there's a security tool. Everything's a friction for employees to do their job. Nobody's thinking right. out of the box and say, how can I enable employees to do their job better? Right. And that's where I say. Right. You bring up a useful dynamic here because something I say a lot in in how we talk about automation, and I think we're, especially even at the mainstream media narrative around AI, I think we're at a really good point of everybody looking at this through the lens of an industrial revolution right. and knowing that there will be a time of instability where that you know, a lot of jobs that relied more on automatic repetitive work will get processed. And we have no idea how many more jobs that that's going to create. I think we've just about crossed that bridge from, you know, my mom being able to to really understand that that from a mainstream media lens. All at the same time, as we move forward in automation, I think for the companies that talk about prioritizing human judgment and knowing that you need especially for the customer experience side or where we see in healthcare, the patient experience where that that relationship is just so much more delicate. The decisions that need to be made by human handlers are escalating, not only in how much they require specific human judgment, but also I think in how 
consequential they are to the bottom line, to the impact of the person that's, you know, the customer, the patient, whoever's on the other side of the call. And sometimes I worry that, you know, as we move further in automation, we're elevating human judgment. But does everybody have these like ER doctor jobs, no matter where they are? You know, like, are they always thinking on high strung activity? So when you say here, you know, I want to make I want to make employee functions fun and and bring out the best in people. What does that look like versus, you know, how you're looking at the tasks to automate? Let's start with mundane tasks, right? Let's be very specific. The areas that I'm really sure. looking for is something like, think of like a co-pilot for employees for an IT area. What does an IT request will be? If you look right. at top 10 IT requests, they'll start from networking issues, your computer issues, your application, software, hardware procurement. I want to share my documents. I can't find documents, right? I, I want to fill some forms. All the mundane, highly repetitive tasks. If there is a co-pilot which will wake up, Think of a co-pilot for you and your podcast, which does all the jobs mm-hmm. of setup, everything, Matthew, right? Wouldn't you want that? I think that's what employees are requesting us today when we look at our customers, right? If you look at whether the customers are from coming like Zoom, whether they're work mm-hmm. day, whether they're all the other customers that we are central, all these common customers, what they're asking employees is employees and organizations get better at this on the IT side. Then next is the HR, changing my address to adding my family member to a benefits plan. I'm trying to improve my employee benefits, my 401k, all those mundane questions. You don't have to go to HR business partner to solve it. Let AI be your co-pilot. If the AI cannot do it, AI bot, then go to the HR business partner. This AI bot is available 24 by 7. You can make middle of the night when you are thinking about something, you can do it. It could be evenings, right? Then the next is Mm -hmm. finance, legal procurement facilities to to back to your point what we did is we took our generative ai isra gpt for employees for multiple domains and the way which we did it for domain is in a way to automate those tasks so that we are the co-pilot for them for each of the domains make sense yeah no no it does it, it does make sense and it's it sounds like it sounds like for what you're offering it's to kind of go as companies grow you know like by function where traditional companies have you know built you know hr departments and around old workflows and like kind of pre-digital workflows and and ways of doing things you offer a platform through llms other ai capabilities to streamline that work you know starting with it and then you can move to other use cases in hr where does it move from there like how far across the organization do you go Across the board, all organizations. So today, across the board. So today, what we offer out of the box already today, we have IT, HR, we have sales, marketing, finance, legal, procurement. Every department and function should be automatable. The mundane task. Look, there's always going to be something that requires a human intervention. Of course, it'll be there. But I would say for every group, every function, every enterprise, there'll be 70, 80% of today's requests should be automatable through AI and automation. The reason I call it automation is AI will answer your request. But if I'm not here to offer you just a document, right, Matthew? If your mm-hmm. request is to fix my laptop, I should be able to troubleshoot your laptop. If your request is about saying, saying that I want to change my my bank account in my payroll system, I should be able to update that for you, right? I should right, say, here is right, a document, right. you go do it yourself, right? So this is where the automation piece comes in is if you do really well, the both the GPT, the LLMs, plus the automation, you can actually write workflows and the workflows will be automatable today. 
Is it so central on large language models in terms of leveraging this creativity? Like all, like these industries, especially financial services, are so text-based that, you know, it's really LLMs that make all the difference versus, you know, other forms of, of AI capabilities, even that we see in, like, you know, intelligent document processing? Yeah, it's, it's first of all, very good. See, what has changed with ChatGPT is definitely the word LLM became popular. Before LLM, it's called language model. Sure, right? yeah. Before it was called NLP and NLU. So the evolution is you started with NLU, NLP became a domain-specific language models, then became LLMs. But what it turns out is you really don't need large language models, Matthew. Large language model is for a consumer space, something for Azure OpenAI or OpenAI right. or for Google. When I'm in your organization, when I come to your financial services company, all I'm looking for is a, a highly nimble, vertical, domain-specific language model. It doesn't matter. Right. Larger doesn't matter. The, their size is not the point. It's a quality, eliminating the hallucinations, being accurate, being enterprise-ready, being trusted, security. Those are the metrics that customers are asking me is, I need a specific, domain-specific language model that you walk in. Right. And when we do the domain specific, we build it on top of ontologies and taxonomy. See, what makes ICRA yeah. very unique is when I walk in, I already know the words that you're asking me for financial service industry. Within that, when you say checking account, banking account, wealth management, 401k, I know what those words right. are, what you mean, what you are requesting it, right? I know the context. So having an ontology, taxonomy, entities, intents and phrases as a domain with the language right. models, then specifically to your your vocabulary, because your users will be using acronyms. If you are in New York City, in Manhattan, you'll be saying boroughs. I don't think anybody in the world understands the word boroughs, right? Except sure. New York City. Right? <laughs> you can say, right. I'm in this borough for JP Morgan. I mean, I know my CFO. He, when he says boroughs, he thinks I'm in some other country, right? Uh, of course, right, me, right, right. So that's what I mean. You need to understand that colloquial language of that vocabulary. Of course. Now, for longtime listeners, they'll know that as something we've been predicting for a long time of with large language models plus other AI capabilities. But that's the big one. We're going to see a market of bespoke models. That's that's the big B word term that everybody uses. Bespoke models that are specific to individual industry spaces, workflows and even just job descriptions. I want to pull apart how bespoke these models get. Is it really down? Is the organization the barrier or does it really get down to the workflow? Like, is is there a model for each individual kind of employee that you want to train, whether or not you're even using an avatar? And we've seen it actually pretty frequently before that there is no avatar. There is nothing to chat with. It's just this kind of it's more just another name for the platform itself. Yeah, no, I think the, the generative model itself, the base models will come from like we build it on Azure OpenAI, right. the base model, right? Then we use the domain specific to that industry. Then what we do is we do customer specific, which is when I walk into the finance service industry of that, I'm going to make a model for that industry with their data. Then on top of that, that user. So you have to instantiate that model for Matthew, for you differently than me as a Madhu versus somebody by the name Dex. So you try to do this as different to each user so that it has to create its own state. It has to understand what Matthew's preferences are, particularly in your language when I come in. I need to know you're a Mac user or a PC user. Are you a G Suite user? Are you an Office user? Do you use Adobe? Mm -hmm. Do you use DocuSign? Do you work with JP Morgan, Bank of America, right? Do you do white transfer right. to this international country? Do you looking for currency exchanges? 
right? Are you a Bitcoin FinServe company? So I think understanding that domain of that company and that user is where it gets very specific because the consumers right. and users will demand. You should know me before you talk to me, right? See, right, like, exactly. This is where AI will be anytime better than any human is. There's no way a customer service agent or an employee service will know everything about you before they call. Like he or she is not exactly. going to read everything in your history, whereas the algorithm can remember the state about matching. And when he starts asking it, I will know more about you yourself than you know about yourself. You might forget what you did <laughs> two years back, but the AI will not forget. No, it won't. Right, right, right. And if it's been tracking you that long, it can it can build, it can inform itself, and and then it's kind of its own bespoke model so long as it's been following you along that far. Mm. I think that really illustrates to a lot of those long-time listeners who will recognize that term, bespoke model, like how this is going to play out. And we haven't had a ton of opportunity to really, really illustrate what that's that's going to look like as we move forward up until very, very recently. But along with the, those developments, you mentioned a problem that folks are running into with these large language models, hallucinations. Very fascinating stuff. It's one of the few times, it's really a metaphor, but it one of the few times the metaphor has a striking resemblance to right. what it's metamorphizing. Anyway, a hallucination is essentially maybe what, as we can best describe it, if you have have teenagers that have used chat GPT is when it lies to you. It It's not a tool that's meant to really search Wikipedia for the right answer. It's a tool trying to predict what you expect it to say next. That's really the fundamental of, of the technology when we talk about chat GPT, of what it's trying to do. And when we say we're impressed with that technology, we're talking about how well it does that. And when it fails, which is still fairly often as impressed as we are, it turns out a hallucination. It tells you something that isn't true, trying to predict your satisfaction with the next word choice that it's going to make. Tell us a little bit about how you look at this problem, where it occurs in the workplace, especially from the employee experience side, and how we see this problem being addressed into the future with with a more focus. Very good. See, that's the main reason why I started exist, right? See, where we are different than a standard chat GPT or a generative AI from a, a open source versus what we are saying is when I walk into a customer, I want to reduce the number of hallucinations. I want to reduce the number of false positives. I want to be able to understand your intent. I want to be able to understand your intent in a complex question or a simple question, right? So the way in which we did, that's the approach we did is our ability to learn our algorithms and models within the domain and within the customer data set improves our accuracy. The second thing is even that's a one-time thing. But once you have that, you still have to learn continuous basis because you are going to make mistakes. When you ask me a question, if I don't understand it, I'll go back and read something to learn. That whole reinforcement learning should be added. And there you want to add something called unsupervised AI. So things to improve the hallucination is unsupervised AI, reinforcement learning, which is the feedback loop and learn. Third is what I call collective learning. Because when I come to you, if I have hundreds of my customers, I already know when you say the word DocuSign, what it means. When you say wealth management, or when you say I want to do buy options and stock options and bonds, I know what the bonds means. The bonds is, you, are you buying the municipal bonds versus a, a bond for to get some bail bonds, etc. It needs to understand the difference between those words, right? So the way in which to avoid that is by understanding the specific domain and continues to learn across customers. So the three fundamental principles is unsupervised, reinforcement learning, collective learning. And as a part of collective, you're getting the transfer learning across customers. And that's where you build the network effects. Of course. And I think that really addresses 
maybe a mentality that we're going to have to carry through with this technology, which is that we definitely don't have it sorted out yet. All at the same time, it's evolving at such a fast pace that we shouldn't take for granted anything it can't do right now. And of course, that makes trying to predict this technology all the more difficult. The one thing that is the thing that what ChatGPT has changed the world is humans make mistakes. AI will make mistakes. AI is also human. It's okay to make a mistake. It will make less mistakes than the humans when it comes to some of those things. So what ChatGPT has shown is even though it has hallucinations, give it a try, give it some time, it's going to continue to improve. Do not beat up because it's going to make mistakes. And also what it makes it from an experience perspective so interesting is it's all about the user experience. It's a randomness. Like tomorrow when I talk to you on a podcast show, Matthew, you'll be a different person. So what ChatGPT is doing, it's the probabilistic nature. It's the randomness nature. That is what makes it more exciting, more interesting. It is not a rule-based system. It is not a designed to answer your questions very robotic manner. So if you cannot handle non-robotic, probabilistic, randomness, then maybe the LLMs and AI is not for you. AI may not be for everybody, for everybody. You need to decide, is this going to do a better job than most humans are? Then, And for those common repetitive tasks, then apply for that. Indeed. I I think the audience is very intrigued and we'll have you on for another episode that we're going to record very shortly, focusing on specifically FinServe LLM use cases, because I I really think that'll be valuable, especially for that that sector of the audience. And you can check that out on the AI and Financial Services podcast. But just I, I think the audience understands definitely what you're bringing to the table in being able to, you know, bring this technology to all the departments and automate the entire organization. But before we leave our AI and business episode where we can talk to all kinds of companies and all kinds of sectors, I want to ask, what does this mean for even where we see use cases, other forms of AI, some of it generative, where we see the ability of AI to help legacy institutions update their data stacks. Because I imagine if you're updating how employees do everything and, and de-siloing all of their departments, you're also de-siloing the data, which is always what's getting described in, in those use cases, in, in those efforts. What are the possibilities there? Is that something yeah. you can do both at once? I think so. I think, look, the tech stack that I see often is, look, particularly for employees, it's going to be Microsoft Teams. Clearly, wow. this time, right? Teams is the place. It's a your collaboration. That's your happy hour. Then tools like Isra. Right. So I call this one like a mass tag. Microsoft, Isra, the backend can be ServiceNow, Salesforce. Like that should be your tech stack. Every customer out there has Salesforce, ServiceNow, or Atlassian. Fenton will be Microsoft. We are the chat GPT generator in between. We are connecting the dots from users and teams. Could be in Zoom without channel choice of yours and to your users, right? I think that's a tech stock is going to happen, particularly for within employees, within the enterprises. They should not be deployed at stack like what I'm talking about. Microsoft, ICERA, ServiceNow. That's it. That stack should yep. be highly repeatable. And it's the best of breed. Microsoft does good in what they do in terms of teams. ICERA do, we do what we do in AI. ServiceNow does what they do in terms of ticketing systems and workflows, right? Yeah, absolutely. Ab- absolutely. I think that's even a, a good place to bookmark it, especially before we get into our episode talking about financial services use cases for LLMs, because I think something we're going to see from here is a lot of these uses are going to get so bespoke. It's going to get down to the industry. It's going to get down to employees. And I think it's a really exciting time to have 
this high level of view of uh, of things as we go from here. So, Mudu, thank you so much for being with us, and we're excited to have you back on just in a couple of minutes as we record that financial services episode. Thank you, Matt. Thank you very much for having me. Before we close out today's episode, if you really enjoyed Moodoo's insights on today's show, don't forget to check him out also this week on the AI and Financial Services podcast. That's our sister program on the Emerge podcast platform. In that episode, Moodoo will be talking about working with companies across industries to de-silo apartments, tech stacks, and workflows through conversational AI. Very, very fascinating stuff. On behalf of Daniel and the entire team here at Emerge, thanks so much for joining us today, and we'll catch you next time on the AI and Business Podcast. 